the writer of, of Luke, who is a doctor, and so he has understanding in terms of how to write properly to appeal to the then intellectual mind. And when he writes, he's putting emphasis on various things about Zacchaeus, which we're going to get into a moment, in a moment rather. But Jesus enters Jericho and this man Zacchaeus is there. The Bible says he was a man of short stature. I want to open this bracket. Jesus was followed all the way by a crowd. But we cannot know and we don't know who this crowd was. There is no name, no mention of anybody else except for Zacchaeus who stood out out of the crowd. This is what I believe sometimes. Sometimes we follow Jesus Christ as a crowd. But the people that have stood out in the Bible are people who have not just followed Jesus as a crowd. Are people who have followed Jesus Christ who have acknowledged his person and have placed a demand on his mercy. Because the crowd was just following Jesus. Some of them were there just because they needed to be there. Maybe a friend of theirs called them to come and see what Jesus was about. And I'm reminded of people that have really stood out of crowds. The, like, the likes of, of, of the blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says a crowd was following Jesus Christ, but this man had a distinct shout that in the crowd Jesus heard him because he placed a demand on the mercy and he acknowledged the person of Jesus. And we have a lot of people who are just in the crowd with Jesus. They are not people who, who regard him for being God and who place a demand on his mercy. There was another woman in the Bible who stood out of the crowd was the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says there was a crowd that was following Jesus. But there was this one woman who wanted to touch Jesus because she knew that if she could touch Jesus, her life would change. She knew that the crowd that followed Jesus did not acknowledge Jesus for who he was. And sometimes I think our familiarity with Jesus hold us back from experiencing the fullness of his power. Because we become so familiar with him such that our conditions never change. We become so familiar with him that coming to church is a Sunday routine. I know that I'm going to go back home the, the same way I came here. But there were people in the Bible who made a choice and a decision and said, I will not see Jesus and have my life stay the same. Because they knew he's a miracle maker. They knew Jesus is a healer. And they knew that Jesus has provided everything they needed. And they needed to place a demand on that anointing and the grace that was on Jesus. And so this man, Zacchaeus, stood out of the crowd. Now, look, the writer of this book talks about how short this man was. And then he climbed the tree. Now, if you're, you're a short person, which I've never been, and, uh, and you want to climb a tree, it could be a good exercise depending on how long the tree is or how, how tall the tree is. But now imagine these people were, or wore long robes, okay? And he is a short man. 
with a long robe. Now, to climb a tree with a long robe is a bit of an exercise. You agree? I have never worn a rope before, but I can just imagine a lady in a skirt trying to climb a tree. And so that's the one emphasis that the writer of this book talks about, that he was a short man. The second one that the, the, the writer says that he was rich. Now, this is the first account in the Bible that talks about the salvation of a rich man in the Bible. Luke was careful to say that this man was rich because he wanted us to understand and the people of the time that, that Jesus would break any social class but that also this man was determined to come to Jesus at Ocos because the rich, what that meant at that time was that they were associated with, with the, the, the elite of the, of the Jewish leadership who most of them were in Judaism. So to be publicly associated with Jesus was a problem. They may have lost their position in society. They may have lost the credibility that they had because of their association with Jesus. We had examples of the likes of the man who gave his tomb to Jesus, who came to Jesus in secret, rather to, to the disciples in secret because he didn't want people to know. We have the Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night because he didn't want people to know that he is associated with Jesus. And so Zacchaeus was rich, but Zacchaeus also was a tax collector. He was a tax collector. Now, this is, this is what it means. He was a chief tax collector. This is what it means. At this time, the people or the Jewish people were under the rulership of the Romans. And so the Romans levied taxes on the Jewish people. But then they appointed members of the Jewish community to collect the tax from the Jewish people. And so what they did was that the Romans would have, for instance, a standard rate of 100 rand that they would take from the Jewish people. Then the tax collectors would go to their own people and charge them double or more than double that. And they would get that money and use it for themselves. So there were people that took advantage of the poor and the vulnerable. They were hated and disliked in the community. But this man was more than a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Which means that he oversaw the entire system that employed tax collectors in that city or in that region. And so he was in charge. The people didn't like him. The people hated him. And Luke is trying to give us a picture of the kind of status that this man had in society. That he was hated. The one thing that Luke doesn't mention is his family. Luke talks about his money, talks about his work, talks about his height, but doesn't say anything about his family. Now, this leads us to assume that he may have had a family, but it may have been a dysfunctional family that he didn't find any credibility for him to share the story of his family. Or it was his family, but he wasn't just so involved such that his family was a big part of his life for the story of his family to be written. Or maybe he was just a lonely man who had all the money in the world that he needed, but he had no companionship. He was lonely by himself. And so that's the second character 
or the first character in the book. And that leads us to Jesus, another character. And so Jesus comes to that place. Imagine Jesus is being followed by a crowd. Now, Luke knows how to count what a crowd or what constitutes a crowd. Because he, he wrote the same, he wrote uh, uh, Acts. And so he knows how to count. When you read Acts chapter 2, he talks about 3,000 men came to the Lord. So when he speaks about a crowd, he's not talking about 100 people. He's talking about a crowd that is following Jesus. And so Jesus, I can picture Jesus stopping in the midst of all these people that are following him. And notices this one man, Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus had made a move to climb a tree so that he could see Jesus. When Jesus saw him, Jesus made a first move. I've told all that story to say this. In the midst of the crowd, Jesus noticed just one person. Everybody was following Jesus, but there was one man that stood out to Jesus, and Jesus noticed him. He is going to Jerusalem. He decides to pause in the busyness of his life. He decides to pause, in fact, to change and turn from going to Jericho to going into the house of this man. My question is, how many times do we pause and stop in the busyness of our day to notice people like Zacchaeus? Someone who might have all the money that they need in the world, but they're lonely. They have no companionship. They have no joy. They have no peace. How many times do we pause like Jesus and notice just the one man? Some people looked at Zacchaeus. They looked at him as a crook. They looked at him as one who takes money from the vulnerable. But Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and he noticed that this man is a potential soul for my kingdom. Jesus doesn't see people through the eyes of the things they've done in the past or who they are now. He looks at them at what they can become with him. And so he pauses and looks at this man Zacchaeus. And the Bible says Jesus called him Zacchaeus, come down. How did Jesus know this man's name? Who told Jesus who this man was? My assumption is either Jesus had heard of this man before or he inquired who this man was from the people who knew him. If Jesus had heard of this man before, the things probably he would have heard of him would have been a lot of negative things because people didn't like him. If Jesus inquired from the crowd who this man was, probably the things he might have heard of this man would have been negative things because the crowd didn't like him either. But in spite of the things that Jesus may have known about this guy, Jesus noticed him and noticed the potential that God had placed in him of who he can become in God. When we see people, not based on who they are or where they've been, but we'll look at people based on where they can be and how great they can become. And so Jesus does the following. One, Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. Two, Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. He breaks this 
this social code of waiting to be invited by somebody else. Doesn't know if Zacchaeus' house was already <laughs> prepared for a guest. Doesn't know if Zacchaeus had cleaned his house or had left his shoes on the table. He, he really doesn't know, but he says, Zacchaeus, I have to go to your house. Now, picture with me. Jesus had at least 120 disciples with him because this was his journey to Jerusalem. And Acts chapter 2 tells us that there were 120 disciples in the upper room, so he must have been taking 120 disciples at least to Jerusalem with him. He has to change his itinerary right there and then and take 120 people potentially to someone's house without asking them if they should come or not. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I have to come to your house. Now, what Jesus is saying, is not saying my disciples will stay there. He's saying, I'm coming because obviously I'm, I've got an entourage. I'm coming with all my people. Now, this is the message of the gospel. Is that there is no gap that Jesus cannot bridge to get to you. That there is, there is no social code or social protocol that Jesus cannot break to get to you. That maybe you yourself are feeling like Zacchaeus. Like you don't measure up. You are too short for the grace of God. That maybe you've tried like Zacchaeus to climb a tree in your own effort so that you can be able to see Jesus. But it took Jesus making the first step to go to Zacchaeus in order for him to meet with Jesus. Maybe you are feeling like that. Maybe you are feeling like you're the one who has got everything that you need in life, but you're lonely. You're lonely and you, you're crying out for significance. There is no war. What is that song that we sing? That... There we go. There's no lie that Jesus would not tear down. So there's no place that Jesus would not get to to save you. He got 120 people at least into the house of Zacchaeus and changed his plans immediately for one man because Jesus knew how important just one is. He knew that if, if I could get just one, I might get just another and then another, and then another. So Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. And Jesus taught us this, that no one is too bad to be saved. There is no sin that Jesus cannot redeem. There is no person who has done so many bad things that Jesus cannot get and save. Zacchaeus was hated by people and Jesus suddenly comes into his home. And Zacchaeus realizes his own sin. Because when Jesus comes into a person's life, he brings conviction of sin. He doesn't bring condemnation, he brings conviction of sin. And Zacchaeus is convicted not because Jesus told him so. He said, Lord, if I've crooked anybody, I'm going to pay them back. And I'm, going, I'm not going to wait for people to sing, pay back the money, pay back the money. I will pay back the money by myself. 
He said that. I didn't say that. The Bible says it, doesn't it? <laughs> Zacchaeus says, I will pay up to four times what I have taken from the people. Now, it was, it was a law in the Bible when you read that if you had crooked someone, you pay them back four times. Now, if you pay them four times, that was the maximum penalty that you'd pay for, you know, having been involved in corrupt activities and so forth and so on. Zacchaeus is saying, Lord, I am willing to repent in the way that you want me to repent. To be able to pay these people the penalty that I, I owe to them. See, Jesus is the one that changes people. Jesus is the one that turns the heart of people. It is not you and I. Our responsibility is to share. And so we see this man suddenly changing in the same day. He says, I'm willing to give even up to half my stuff to the poor. Now, if a man was rich, that was a lot of stuff that he was going to give away. I understand that salvation is free and, and it's provided by Jesus Christ. But I know that it costs us to die to ourselves and to our own selfish ambitions. And maybe to you today could be your own pride to make that first step to come to Jesus. Or for you it could be just this hesitation to share the gospel with somebody else. I have a, a friend of mine that, or maybe not a friend, but an acquaintance of mine. Um, he, uh, <laughs> I, um, he's a cool guy. Mm, he does, doesn't he? He took this picture just for me. No, I'm joking. But this, um, I think in 2012, 11, somewhere there, I was renting an apartment and uh, I needed to save up for getting married, got married in 2013. So I, I needed someone to share the apartment with me. So my wife, who loves online things and Google, placed an ad on Gumtree uh, for, us to, for me to get somebody to share with. So I got this guy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, his name is Saul, uh, Saul Pile. And um, so I, I got him and he came in. I liked him. He was a very responsible, respectable guy, but he wasn't born again. Um, he would, you know, he would smoke and he would burn incense now and again. I didn't know what that meant in the house. Now it was a bit weird. I was like, oh, but we can't burn incense. But, <laughs> but he was a very, very good guy. He was a very, very cool guy. Uh, now and again, I would, I would share the gospel with him. Uh, I wasn't too forceful on him because he, he had told me a bit of his story. He had come from a very um, bad relational background. Um, he was going through so much, so much pain. I uh, had lost a lot of stuff. Hence, he was looking just for a place to share. And he was in a very, very bad place. But I, I shared the gospel with him. And during my stay with him, I think we stayed for, together for about a year. And, uh, and then he got a job. He had to move on to other places. And then obviously I got married. I also had to <laughs> move on to other places. <laughs> and um, I forgot about him. I forgot about him completely. Because you know sometimes when obviously you've been sharing with someone because he's in your space. You know, I meet him every day. I see him every day. So I get to pray with him quite, well, pray for him quite a lot. But the moment we separated, I somehow forgot about him. I would see him now and again on Facebook, but I completely forgot about him. About three weeks ago, I, I saw this picture 
of him and his wife. And they were coming out of a baptismal pool, and they had just given their lives to the Lord. And they had just given their lives to the Lord. I called him. I said, so I've got to share your testimony. He said, share it and make sure that I get the podcast. So he's going to listen to the testimony. But it's just, it's so amazing to see how God answers prayer. Sometimes we forget even about the people we've prayed for, but God doesn't ever forget. You know, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And so it's amazing. Uh, him and his wife are now wonderful Christians. And we're just praying for grace, you know, over them that they'll continue to enjoy this amazing journey with the Lord. And so we've got um, another testimony today that I'd love to share. So I'm going to invite two people. I'm going to invite Ashley, who's at the back there. Ashley, do you mind coming up, please? So this is her video. We're going to play it in the second service because she wants uh, celebrity vibes. <laughs> Brakun, do you mind coming up? Brakun was sharing with me a wonderful testimony. I thought it would be worth sharing with the whole church about the one to uh, just one campaign with the kids. But uh, I want to talk to Ashley a little bit. Uh, I know we've got about eight minutes. But I just, I've given her the questions, prepared her. But you know how you change the script when you're on, on the stage. So <laughs> I just want you to tell the church, Ashley, a bit of your journey in a nutshell and, and how you came to that decision that you made last year in December. Hi. So I came, so background, my parents were non-believers. We didn't go to church. They always thought you do things for yourself. We make it happen and that's just how life is. Um, and because we weren't really exposed to anyone else, we kind of just, we were in our family and we did our thing. Um, I never really asked any questions. It was just how we were. Uh, left school and then started asking questions. Kind of realizing, surely there must be more. Surely there must be more to than just us. I then found God in more of a spiritual way for a long time, which kind of opened me up. I, I suppose that was the first seed to say. And then I met my husband. And although at the time we were not living fully Christian, <laughs> we did have two kids out of wedlock and all of that. But he then started this journey to find God in a more real, everyday way. He then found church to be a very important part of that journey. And off he came. He came by himself, and again, I wasn't, I rejected it. Because of the beliefs I had had for all my life, every time he wanted to talk to me about Jesus and Christianity, I kept, I just didn't want to hear it. Like, I kept rejecting it, and I was like, nah, I'd rather not. So he came to church by himself. Um, but the more he came to church, and the more he was on this journey of his, it kind of, it changed how he was in an everyday life. And that, that was another seed. I could see how amazing, just a light, just how amazing this light was that was in him that was shining through now, 
that wasn't there before. His sister, who was also a big part of the journey for me, is also very big in ministry and a, a very big Christian and always has been. And she's just so loving and infectious and she could make a complete stranger feel at home. Even everyone as part of her ministry team, you'd go visit her and they would just make you feel at home and you've never met them before. And again, there was another seed. I was kind of like, surely there must be something here. Surely something about this is good. And then when Jean asked us to bring our kids to the church and to the kids' ministry because he wanted to share this with them, I kind of figured it was a no-brainer. I wanted them to learn this. Whether I believed it or not, it didn't matter. It just made sense to have our kids learn it to be better every day. I then obviously joined because John alone with two kids on outings <laughs> is just chaos. So <laughs> he was like, please come with. So we all came with, I came to church and it wasn't so much about me coming to learn about Jesus and accepting him because I still to a degree rejected it. Um, I was amazed at how every sermon we came to see was so relevant to life and how to live every day, um, just towards other people and how much better it would make life in general. And then Mike had an amazing sermon about how your foundations, if you don't have strong foundations, then where are you going? What are you building on? Because everything will crumble if you don't have that rock. And then that's the day I decided, yes, this, this, is, this is what I want. <laughs> awesome. Uh, do you want to tell, uh, tell the church a little bit of your post-salvation uh, experience, uh, just in, in brief? Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so a lot of things have been happening. Um, my husband and I got married because um, we decided this was the way to do it and a good example to our, to our children. Um, obviously, we've become coming to church a lot more and just everything in our lives. Our marriage has been better. Um, how we are with people have been better. It's just been more happy and joyful, even if things haven't been going our way. Um, it's been okay. Like, it's been, it's been good. <laughs> thank you. Come on, thank you so much. For sharing your testimony. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this is the importance of just one. Uh, Brakun, do you mind coming up, please? We're going to be finishing in a moment. <laughs> Promise me you're not going to cry? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to quickly just share yeah. what we were? Yeah, I probably will cry. Um, so, friends, we've uh, we started just one six weeks ago, in fact, and um, man, the yesterminis, as we call them, have just been incredible in the children's church. Yes, um, we've had um, in the last four weeks, we've had 51 kids give their lives to Christ. 
We've had, um, I had a chat to Mike about this on Friday and um, still trying to put our finger on it, you know, where, where this is coming from. But really our sense is that as these kids are journeying through just one and getting this concept, you know, um, much as Mike has explained it, it's really an emphasis that's really been placed on their hearts for, man, I want to do this right. I want to do the right thing. I want to get myself together. Coach, put me in. I'm ready. I'm prepared. And as I was thinking about this this morning again, these kids are just again leading by example, showing us what this is about, what this just one is. We've had kids come with the most amazing questions, like Uncle Kun, can I reach out to someone in Fredadorp? You know, because we're having an outing there sometime. We're like, no, no, guys, hang on a sec. Let's let's unpack this. What about a friend? What about a neighbor? What? Nikki Richardson's daughter, Kara, brings her best friend. So she identifies e Emma, is that right? Emma as her just one. Finding it hard to find a place for her to go to church. Her mom's excited because she's accepted this invitation. She gives her life to Christ first day here. Okay? This changes her life radically. Her mom's in tears. I think something bad's happened. But this is what we're seeing from the kids, and the kids have really just taken this concept. And again, guys, when I think about this and I share this with the adults, what a responsibility we have to get ourselves right. And what a salvation message that these kids are teaching us on a daily basis. So as we press in and again, and, and, and this, this, the simplicity of the way the kids have gone about this has been the beauty for me. Again, things like, Dad, you know what? I've got a boy that's just come from Botswana. And you know what? He, I'm sure he doesn't have a church. Oh, you, you're so right. Dad, I'm going to reach out to him. This is my boy speaking now. And then simple things, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm picking on Matt because he's a unique little character. He then comes home and says, Dad, you know those invites we're giving out that we gave out two years ago for Lover's Legs? Can we do one for just one? And I know why he's doing this, because he's not comfortable speaking. He's more comfortable to say, Andrew, and off he goes. Because that's easier for him. So, and again, as adults, we have to give ourselves the tools and the ability to reach out. So whether it's Howard, bro, we need to go for a ride out in the cradle. I need to speak to you about something. And man, I pressed this, the issue with him. Or Mike, Arsenal, oh, you know, <laughs> that's what it's going to take. And, those, and, the kids are, and the kids are leading by example. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you mind please standing up? And this is really what this is about. This is about just one. And, and I'm praying that all of us who leave this place inspired, but not just inspired, with a plan in mind of just, just one. The one person could be the one colleague, it could be the one neighbor, could be the one friend, the one relative. But pray to the Lord for the one if you don't have a picture of who that one is. And the question you might be asking is, so what do I do with that one? We have this acronym that says, take the risk. And risk stands for, at least in our own formulation of this campaign, is relate to them. Befriend them. Just be a good brother like we heard from Ashley or a good sister or a good brother-in-law, sister-in-law. 
that is a seed. We heard from Kun, you invite. Just invite someone to church. Invite someone to your connect group. Just, just invite them. Sort them. What that means is, is to start a conversation. Is to ask questions. Be interested in their, in their life, in who they are, their family. Listen. You know, tell your story, how you came to the Lord. And then tell Jesus' story, what he has done in your life. And then the K stands for keep walking. Don't leave them there. Keep walking with them. And so this is what we are asking you and all of us to do with just one person. Father, we pray this morning in Jesus' name that you would give us grace to do this. That you would season our words with grace. You would anoint us with power every time we share your word something amazing is going to happen Lord for those who might not know who the one is I pray Holy Spirit that you would highlight that one to them above all Jesus we just thank you for what you have done in our own lives 